ora, hello comrades. This talk was originally given as a contribution to the annual conference of Fight Back Australasia held on the 23rd of January 2021. Sue Bradford is a lifelong street activist, organizer and community-based educator working over many years in unemployed workers and beneficiary organizations. She was a member of the Workers' Communist League, or WCL, in the 1980s, and a Green MP for 10 years, up to 2009, before leaving the party when she saw the Greens moving too far to the right. She then spent three years with the Māori-led, Māori-focused mana movement of 2011 to 2014, completed a PhD exploring gaps in radical left organizing and institutions in Aotearoa, and currently works for Kotare Research and Education for Social Change. Just a note, this talk was recorded over Zoom and has some glitches, unfortunately. It also experienced a cyber attack from either far-right or tanky forces who accused us of being CIA-funded. Fortunately, we were able to get the session back together with improved security, and they won't stop our ongoing work. So without further ado, we hope you get something out of this talk from veteran activist Sue Bradford. Today I am, and I hope this is okay, I'm going to limit my focus to the situation here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, both because a look at the local situation may be more useful for fightbacks and immediate purposes, and also because I've never been myself an expert on organising in other countries. I'm certainly not. The second question of scope is around how left or progressive might be defined. Um, we all know um, many volumes have been written about the meaning of left over centuries. Um, so to cut things short, um, I'm going to take as a baseline today the definition that I formed for a PhD thesis that I wrote a few years back um, based on the state of the left in this country between 2011 and 2013. And the definition of left that I used then was this, a commitment to working for a world based on values of fairness, inclusion, participatory democracy, solidarity and equality into transforming Aotearoa into a society grounded in economic, social, ecological and treaty justice. I'd also like to add to that that the words left or radical left for me are also grounded in a willingness to openly oppose and expose capitalism, to work for a beyond colonialist future and to be based also in the kind of principles I believe we are all likely to share here around support for eco-socialism and the rejection of patriarchy and racism and other matters, including those that are summarised in, in Fightback's points of unity. So what is the situation that those of us who identify as radical left here in New Zealand find ourselves as we head into 2021? <clears throat> There's a sense that the world is spinning out of control, and not just because of COVID. The impacts of climate change, of resource depletion and species loss are accelerating. The gap between written use to widen here as elsewhere in the world, with the true realities of homelessness and unemployment and deep poverty unseen in unfair politicians and parties. I think for many of us, of whatever generation we are, 
There is an urgency now about the need for change that's unparalleled in recent history. I was lucky enough to read um, a book called The Ministry for the Future by one of my favourite authors, Kim Stanley Robinson, over the summer. And I found his take on the urgent need for transformative change now and across all fronts, alongside the necessity of instilling hope rather than despair in people if we are to make progress. Um, I found that a really stirring call to action. However, while hope and vision are critical in developing and manifesting these is, is really core to the work that I think we need to do on their own, they are not enough. Until and unless we also have organisations capable of bringing people together and building political power, we will continue to be incapable on the left of presenting any real challenge to the neoliberal capitalist status quo. The reality of the political situation in Aotearoa at present is that there is no particularly visible political home for those of us who left, kind of definition I offered a moment ago. And I really welcome it if there are people here who can correct me on that. <laughs> but that's certainly the sense I get from the networks that I, I move in. We have a Labour government which has a mandate to create change, not seen for generations, given that they are the first majority party to rule on their own since MNP began here. Yet there is no sign that Labour has any desire to deal meaningfully with climate change, housing, industrial welfare, education, health, prison reform, and goes on. We also have to bear in mind that the reality that it's often more difficult to organise on the left when a Labour government is in power. Unions tend not to want to openly undermine and critique their party. There can be a loss of some of the most effective and energetic activists when some people get jobs associated with parliamentary parties or in community groups whose funding has increased because of policy shifts. In this era of COVID, we're also up against the mantra of Jacinda's kindness and the reality of Labour's highly effective management of the pandemic, government unusually hard to organise against or beyond. There is every sign at this stage that Labour will remain completely fitted within a neoliberal capitalist framework. Alongside the Green Party, who voluntarily signed a cooperation agreement for the payoff of a couple of ministerial positions. Labour didn't need them as they could rule alone, but it certainly suited Labour no end to invite the Greens, theoretically to their left, to come inside the tent rather than remain outside. Attempts to maintain and build an effective left presence within the Green Party, including in its parliamentary wing, have not been successful particularly since the tragic loss of Rod Donald in 2005. He was one of the party's co-leaders at that time. The Green Party's overwhelmingly will, overwhelming willingness to sign the 2020 cooperation agreement last year, a vote in which only 15, that's 15% of delegates voted against it or abstained, is clear evidence that we can't expect change from that party anytime soon. For those of us who have given up hope of a leftward shift in the Greens any time in the foreseeable future, and for those who continue to see the urgency of the need to build organisations to the left of the Greens now is what and how. My own take on it is that, firstly, we need to acknowledge the ongoing importance of putting energy into all the organisations, our unions, our community-based groups, and our Māori tangata whenua rupu. This side of our work can never be underestimated or ignored and is absolutely vital. Alongside that, um, that all that work of building 
outside the parliamentary system, we also need a party or parties capable of mobilising many people, not just a few, and which have the ability and will to convey popular messages and to put forward that hope and vision I started talking about before. To build a new party is far more aspirational than trying to move Labour or the Greens to the left from inside, as so many of our friends are still trying to do. Um, there are also some particular questions we need to face up to. Um, for example, are we capable of building organisations that don't continually attack those who should be our friends and allies, um, looking for the worst in them all the time? Um, can we stop attacking and mistrusting each other across the generations? Um, the more we take time to listen to each other across the generations, um, to learn from and respect each other, the more the stronger any groups we build will be. A, and a big threat I see to building parties and movements on the left is the danger of call-out culture and the desire for political purity. This isn't an age-bound thing. The monolithic yearning for a line, for a clear line, for the correct position has always been around on the Marxist part of the left. However, if we're going to move beyond highly refined sectarian modes of organisation, we do need to find ways of prioritising greater levels of tolerance, empathy and respect for each other. And I'm not talking here about staying silent or just putting up the kind of things we've just been subject to here, or about not clearly arguing and opposing ideas and actions that we um, we are in opposition to, but rather of working to find ways where we can create room within our groups for disagreement, for, for comradely, for, for ethical disagreement, but genuine disagreement, for arguing different positions, for coming to new synergies and new understandings for, of and for each other, of learning on the action reflection model, which um, I would hope um, we try and organise around that thing we do and taking those learnings on board and then working for creating our next actions going forward. At some point, we need to acknowledge that we are all imperfect human beings and that in making change, not we as human practice is ever going to be perfect. And I think at times we should be a little more forgiving of ourselves and of each other. This leads directly then to what kind of organisation or organisations we like, might start to build and how. After some new form of party, that is one thing, and, and that is totally a fair enough um, decide. But I'm not going to talk about that today. The older I get and the more concerned I am about the urgency with which we of the fractionated New Zealand left need to build effective organisation. The stronger my interest lies in the creation of a party that is genuinely mass-based and is willing to run for parliament while also operating as a movement in the way MANA tried to be. On the back of my experiences as an active participant at the core of both the Green and the MANA parties and in other organisations in the past, I think one aspect of the way forward may be through having two parties on the treaty ground of left, one which is Māori-led and Māori-focused, as are the Mana and Māori parties, and one which is Tawiwi, that is non-Māori, uh, or could be very welcome to be part of it as well. Such parties could be, have a sister-to-sister -sister relationship without having to operate as one, 
the possibility of two such separate, autonomous but complementary parties grounded in pursuing the promise of Te Tiriti from a left in Tino Rangatiratanga Kaupapa feels to me like one of the most acute lessons of the experience of the mana project. Um, mana survivors are joining the Māori Party um, and it's very likely that it will be this party that is and could be a sister party. The problem being that there is no radical left Tauiwi partner visible as yet. Aotearoa will never achieve true constitutional transformation as premised in the challenge of Matakei Mai, which I know was talked about earlier this afternoon, um, unless there is a Tauiwi party strong enough, or party, all parties, strong enough, um, both inside and outside parliament, to build the power for constitutional change alongside Tangata Whenua. We can have all the good ideas and good intentions in the world, but without organised power, we are never going to be the partner um, that our friends need. Alongside a focus on economic, social, treaty and climate justice, I'm sure we are also all acutely aware that the structures of patriarchy have not magically disappeared either. Women and non-binary people continue to suffer violence, oppression, frustration and impotence in many ways. Children suffer too as voiceless and powerless objects. I'm interested in what a party might look like if women and non-binary people were at its core and where the interests of children and young people were given as much weight as those of adults. I have never been part of a parliamentary party where standing up to and countering the patriarchy was put at the centre, truly put at the centre, alongside issues of class, climate and racism and Indigenous struggle. I would be very interested in seeing what a party like that might look like how we might make it work and where, where it might go if we really had a crack at it. So, given all the enthusiasm that I still have, and which I know is shared by at least some other people around this country, what is holding us back? I'm sure, I'm sure we can all think of a number of factors, but I'll just touch on a few here today. Anyone who has been involved with such exercises in the past will be aware of the sheer hard work and high commitment needed by a large number of people for an enterprise that may be many years in the making before there is any real chance of electoral success. This sort of party is not a speedy route to the bells and baubles of Parliament. It is a movement-building exercise across the whole country, urban and rural, involving heaps of detailed organisation and many, many people. Aligned to this is a second barrier, a lack of the kind of resources which can help push through some of, of the barriers to effective party building. Nearly all the smaller parties in New Zealand which have made it into Parliament under MMP have, all, have done so with the help of one or more sitting MPs who brought parliamentary resourcing with them, and it's massive, even with one MP. The Greens' treacherous support for the Walker jumping bill in the last parliament makes this option no longer viable, even if, if for example, one of those left um, Green MPs was to make a jump. Nor unsurprisingly do I or anyone I know with an interest in the new party have any sort of quiet personal wealth sitting behind us. We are not those people. There are no easy options by which we might cover the very real cost of beginning to knit a viable party together. The third big barrier, I think, is the fear of failure. 
People like some of us look back and feel that we've failed and failed again. Even though each attempt has brought its own achievements and its own lessons, and that what we've been doing in every attempt is in fact rehearsing and creating that future of which we dream. Both those of us from older generations and younger people can look at those failures and wonder, you know, is the risk of failure again worth it? Is it worth it to me? Is it worth it to us personally and politically? Another major barrier to getting something underway lies in the area I've talked a lot about already, our traditional left weakness for being willing to engage in that slicing and dicing of theory and practice to some ideal of perfection um, rather than aiming to be as seriously broad-based as we can in everything we do without losing our principles and ethics. Yet I believe that in confronting this last problem, we may also find the seeds of a way forward that may allow us to build a new party or parties sometime before long. For example, perhaps we might find ourselves willing to prioritise face-to-face organising and relationship building over online communications as much as possible. We, we are so lucky to be in a country that is free of COVID at the moment. I think we should make the most of it. I do realise that all sorts of online communications are absolutely essential and have many, many uses in the struggle, but these can never replace the slow, careful work of establishing meaningful relationships, kanohi kita kanohi, rounded in, solitary, um, in solidarity and mutual respect. To nurture such relationship building should be the early collective creation of a strong, clear kaupapa and a set of principles for respectful ways of working with each other. The language any new party might use is critical. We need to talk and write in ways that people who aren't highly educated can understand. We need to be able to move people with relate to the material reality of their lives in this time, in this place, without being academic or jargony or patronising or simply incomprehensible. Relationships with Māori and a genuine commitment to tino rangatiratanga will be fundamental. Those of us who are not Māori must be clear that we don't expect tangata whenua friends and allies to do the heavy lifting for us, as has too often been the case in the past. To get anywhere, any new party will need to genuinely involve employed workers and unemployed workers and beneficiaries and embrace people from tangata whenua, Pacifica, Asian and other backgrounds in a way and with a culture that welcomes them in and seriously reflects their cultures and their participation. Building this kind of trust and culture takes time and effort and a lot of care. There aren't shortcuts. One of the biggest challenges we've always faced on the left has been around the question of leadership. Without an accountable, competent and publicly visible range of leaders and spokespeople, right from early days, no party will build beyond a small core. Unless it wishes to head down the kind of authoritarian path I doubt that any of us here want to bar off, we need to be more conscious about how we locate and support people to be or to become leaders acknowledging openly the skilled, tough work that this is. We need to be more willing to have the conversations about the qualities of the kind of leadership we want and to support our leaders without belittling or betraying each other in the process. While there's a lot more that could be said on this topic, I think that's enough for me 
from me for now, especially as we're running so late. Um, thanks very much for listening, and I do look forward to any questions or feedback if there's time. Thank you.